Good day to you, Tim. Good day, Ryan. And good day, good morning, good evening, whatever it may be to you. Yes, you. Yes, you listening. Welcome and thanks for being here. Here to Dismembering Horror, episode 112 of Dismembering Horror. Wow. Is that right? That can't be right. sounds so far ahead, but I think it's... No it's way. Not. It's like, we're like 108. <laughs> what are you talking about? How did I get that? Oh, you know what? On our um, on our spreadsheet, it's line 112. <laughs> so I just read that. <laughs> anyway, rewind. <laughs> Episode 108 of Dismembering Horror. <laughs> the podcast shoe were myself, Ryan McDuffie, and... Myself. Tim Aslan. That's right. For 107, now 108 episodes, we dismember a horror film. Every week, we've been doing it every week, we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. We pull them from a literal hat, and it's always exciting to see what comes next. And this is all in the spirit of, well, I mean, it's fun if you've watched the film, because that's kind of the spirit of how we're discussing it. You know, like we're we're just friends, chums getting together, horror movie buds, horror (laughs) horror movie chum buds getting together. That sounds so weird. Chum buds (laughs) or just chums. It's like two dudes on a boat throwing chum in the water together. Exactly. That's what we're doing. We're we're th- we're throwing it into the water and seeing what 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 shark strikes us back, because the the ocean is a deep and mysterious well of infinity that we are <laughs> fascinated to gaze into week after mm. week. Ocean in the, gazing in the guise of horror, because horror is a way to peer far off, deep into the darkness, the abyss. The Abyss. And The Abyss we gazed into for this week was via a film <laughs> called Trouble Every Day. I believe it's part of the French extremity movement. Or this is kind of yeah. of the aughts. Yeah. It's a French uh, filmmaker and it's uh, it takes place in France, I believe, right? Yeah. So I, I count it. I think so. I just, I'm not up to that stuff. In and it was Paris. Recommended to us, submitted to us, I should say, which you should consider doing too if you want to hear us cover an episode or a specific film. Um, it was submitted to us by Dan from Spook Squad, Spooky Dan. Dan, we hope you're here listening. Thank you very much for your submission. What up, um, Dan? Hey, we're going to get into it. And we get into it. Well, first, is there anything else we need to address from previous episodes, Tim? Any horror news on your mind? Oh, shit. But I don't, I, yes, but I don't remember what it is. Well, we can tease it there a bit. There was like a news thing that happened recently that I got excited for. 
No, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Damn it, as, I should have written it down. As usual, the news is that Tim heard a remember. thing. Yeah, heard a thing and has no idea what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could... Uh, this can, week's segment. Uh, yeah, how about this? I'll give us a, a little tease that it's already been coming on a year since we covered the four Psycho films for October, and mm. we have finally decided on what we're going to do next. I won't say what it is yet, but after sort of talking about a lot of different things we could do, we decided to cover another uh, series that has uh, currently four entries. It's extremely Halloween-y. Pretty, pretty big mainstream, not off the cuff. Those are your hints for now. Great. Yep. All right. Well, Tim. Ryan. Now we, uh, to get into it here, got to watch our trailer for Trouble Every Day. Are you ready for it? Uh, sure. All right. Here we go. Trouble Every Day. To Mr. and Mrs. Brown. <laughs> Welcome to Paris, Mrs. Brown. I hope you'll enjoy your stay. No, Dr. Simino doesn't work here anymore. I really need to find him. Just uh, up and left. His wife is sick. Corey's sick? He is very sick. You were in love with her? It's not the right word for it. Well, there we have it. Now we move on to how we rated this film per our rating system. Would Tim and I tell ourselves to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? Hmm. Tim, I, uh, I logged on. Just to kind of, you know, review it on, um, we watched this film streaming on Canopy, which is a free service if you have a library card. Um, Tim and I shared an account to watch this one. Because my library card is expired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Tim, when I, when I went on to just kind of review the movie, click through it again, I saw you stopped watching it pretty much as soon as the credits started. Yep. I'm wondering if that's any indication at all as to how you felt about the movie. <laughs> but I know it could be a million other reasons. Um, I had the thought as the credits rolled, do I need to watch the credits? Because Ryan thinks I need to watch the credits. <laughs> and I immediately <laughs> turned it off. Uh, yep. In. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I... A little bit, a little bit in the moment, I was a little like, because I think there's a lot of really, really good in this movie. And, and I think that it, it misses on particular things that I love that it was so close to like nailing and didn't and i was kind of like fuck so 
it I, I actually am a little torn because I'm kind of a rent for it still. But in in the actual viewing of it, it really left me wanting more, which is a good and a bad thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's like I really wish it it like went further in exploring the things that are working for it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't know. I I felt very kind of conflicted and, and almost disappointed when I finished it. But I think it could grow on me too. So I, I'm going to say I'm a rent. How you're describing this film is how I felt about um, the only other Claire Denis, the filmmaker. Uh, the only other film of hers I've seen was the recent release called High Life about people kind of. Oh, I watched that. That's the same director. Cool. Yeah. About people kind of, you know, yeah. degrade, degrading in space and more, you know, about sexuality and yep. carnal desires and all that. God, I kind of felt similarly about that, too. Yeah, you're right. This one, though, for me, I hmm. I put it on a high rent spectrum. I okay. I was only left wanting more in like the good way, but the, but I didn't want more because it was so intense and sure. impactful. Um, boy, boy, was it, I, yeah, it, it, uh, I don't know. It got to me. It, um, Hmm. it's just that kind of filmmaking that I'm such a sucker for where I just totally buy into the reality of it. And it never, it never toes that line too far of anything too fantastical, but somehow the fantastical elements just feel so grounded. Um, and and like it, it exactly what you'd expect to happen happens, but in a way that's still oh, yeah. shocking, or in a way mm-hmm. that still happens, you know, in a surprising way, or we didn't see it coming. So just whatever that good balance is. Yeah. Anyway, Agreed. yeah. High high rent for me. I and it, I I got everything explored I needed to explore, and then some. I think I'm sure <laughs> it was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. icing on the on the cake there, so to speak. Sure, indeed. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. We've already been kind of singing some of its praises. Oh, but actually, before we move into what work, we got to summarize it, Tim. That's, That's our next right. section. Here's my summary. My yeah. summary is this is my summary. Vincent Gallo is so so jet lagged that he can't jizz that's my summary but he does <laughs> eventually he gets over <laughs> his jet lag <laughs> that's the movie <laughs> what what is your brain doing what <laughs> where did you come up with that just now <laughs> i just kept thinking the first like i don't know half hour of the movie i was like man when i went to london i felt the exact same way that he's behaving because I was so jet lagged and I just felt like I was in this like days of like never really sleeping and kind of up in the middle of the night and wandering around a, a, a city that I didn't know, but it's Europe. So it's kind of cool. And like there's attractive women uh, that I, you know, don't know that are wandering around too. And just like had that same vibe. Yeah. Um, You know. Right. But then like the movie actually happened. So. <laughs> but i remember lo- thinking in the beginning i was like man he's he looks he's real jet lagged 
Yeah, he's jet lagged. And also what this film is really about is he has some sort of disease modification, something like that, that he's right. That's I mean, that's what I got where him it's it's about it's he's so that he goes on a honeymoon and he has ulterior alternative motives than just the honeymoon. Totally. Vincent Gallo, his name's Shane, Shane Brown, new wife, June Brown, going to Paris for their honeymoon. And old Shane Lane here, he's trying to track down a scientist who's he's aware of, who wrote a paper that he says his company is interested in. And we see through some sort of tease at the beginning, this was pretty cool how it set up where like there's a presence of a dead body being like put in a field at the beginning. And then we're just kind of like putting the pieces together from that point on of, well, what's who's killing who here? Why are Mm -hmm. they dead? What's going on? And then what happens to him? Well, he's real mean to his new wife. (laughs) He just kind of ignores her. What a honeymoon. Come on. Seriously. Uh, She's kind of bummed. But yeah, he's searching. What we learn is that he's really searching for this woman, Corey, that he... My take on it was that when he was in like Senegal or something like that, I I feel like they said it and now I don't remember what country it was, but like they were doing some sort of research in Africa, I believe. And this woman, Corey, was there. And I feel like Leo, the, the doctor that he's looking for, was also there and that it's kind of a ruse that he doesn't know him. It's it's he knows him. Yeah. And they all were doing work, you know, in in Africa somewhere. And he knows that she contracted something, but he never lets on about that. And we kind of learn, oh, he might have also contracted it. And that's what he's trying to figure out is like whether or not the doctor has found a cure for what both he and Corey were infected with. And how would you describe the effects of whatever they're infected Okay, so it's definitely either and or uh, sort of a vampirism slash cannibalism bloodlust. Right. And Emphasis on the word lust, I'd say. Correct. And that's why I used it. Because I think the big hat tip like moment is when we see a bite mark on his new wife on her shoulder. And it's right after we have seen Corey, the woman who's being, um, she's being basically held captive by the doctor so he can study her, but also so that she doesn't go out and kill people because she has done that. Uh, and he's had to cover it up. Uh, we've seen her I think we've seen her attack and bite somebody. Did we see her bite bite them yet? Maybe. I can't remember. But we get it. We go, oh, shit. She's definitely like, uh, you know, oh, well, we know because she's always got blood on her mouth. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. So after she kills somebody, we don't see the kill necessarily, but we see her in the aftermath and she's got blood all over her mouth. So we we get it. Um, 
So when when we see that Vincent's uh, sorry Shane's wife has a bite mark on her shoulder, we it, it, you know it kind of all comes together where we go, got it. He's suffering from the same thing. He's doing a better job at resisting those urges, but he's like kind of starting to unravel. Yeah, and like it's depth. There's this big correlation between the disease of bloodlust and actual lust and attraction and he's resisting both yeah but to the point of like it's it's all gonna spill over and yeah that's kind of i mean that's kind of the movie right like that like we spend the whole time kind of watching him vacillate between like can i keep it together and am or am i gonna let this take hold of me and act out on it yeah um until he finds Corey. Yeah, eventually, because it's, you know, it's like uh, it's like any noir film where it's like, got to find the person to like get the answer. I mean, yes and no, that element is noirish, but I'd say it's very that's what I mean. It's very minimalist. Oh, no doubt. I just mean that setup, that sort of noir setup of like, there's a person we don't know where they are. I got to find them, got to go through the city. It's like very third man or uh, double indemnity or, (laughs) you know, it's like got that kind of like, you know. Mis- mi- vague mystery person needs to find a person. Yes. Right, right. Which right. I love. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just, it's so not those movies that I wish would even no, I know it's, go it's, to that <laughs> comparison. It's, it's not, but it's, I feel like it is a modern, not a modern, but it's a, an early aughts, you know, sort of new take on that very basic structure. Right. Kind of, I mean, I'd say the French realism style Mm -hmm. on that, Mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Well, I think that's pretty decent summary. So let's get into, if you're ready for it, Tim, our next section. Yes, sir. (laughs) All right, here we go. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? Tim, the dog didn't die. I was so happy. <laughs> we don't. We don't know that. No, it didn't die. <laughs> we don't know that it didn't die. I thought the same thing. I was like, "Where'd the dog go? Do we know? Did we see it live? Do we see it die? Do you no, see it? It's it's live? there. It's there at the end, isn't it? I don't remember that. Like, fine, Tim. Is it in the hotel room after? I'll, when I'll, he's taking the shower. I felt like it, but I'll clarify. We don't see a dog getting killed, nor are we given any sort of context that a dog was killed. True. Very true. So I did not have to have... Yeah, I did not have to have really mixed feelings about this film, even though I... But that's what was so cool about it, is you fully expect this film to go there as soon as that cute puppy comes into the scene. (laughs) Yeah, that was a bit of a an interesting kind of like misdirect almost. Yeah. Of like, let's get you wound up about this so that when we do this other thing, you know, right. whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you're more shocked. Right. I was I had zero shock in this movie. Wait. But I think what's cool <laughs> about it is that 
even it, I think the movie does a really good job of like setting up the pathway and living in the anticipation of the thing you pretty well know is going to happen. You might not so, know exactly okay. how it's going to happen, but I was like, I think I'm pretty sure where we're going with this. So, okay, you you got to clear. I mean, I get if you say you weren't surprised, but to think that you didn't find the end scene, what he does to the maid shocking and shock worthy. Sure, sure. sure. I wasn't okay. shocked that it happened, but yes, it is shocking. Because talk about just <laughs> gut-wrenching, stomach-wrenching, just yeah. what am I doing here watching him? Yeah. Well, he's going down on her and he's a cannibal. You can figure out the rest. Right. Um, it's yeah that well man i think probably and i get why this director gets so much praise is because the ability to create the ambiguity of desire and i guess violence but not not violence per se but sort of resistance to desire let's call it so in in every case of sort of the sexuality and like desire moments of the film there's there is a push pull of like do i want this or don't i want this that is really provocative uh and really borderline upsetting and then super upsetting but then also super erotic and like it kind of dances around that a like really kind of artistically for the most part and until it becomes over the top not over the top in a bad way but it 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 reaches the oh no oh no we're actually going to get like awful here <laughs> right so you know so it's a weird dance that's like oh is this wait are they in it's cool like they're cool is everything cool it's going to be bad isn't it yeah it's probably going to get bad oh no it's not getting bad it's kind of sexy oh no it got bad so what you're talking about, like the actual elements of like what was happening on the surface. But as far as like those themes, if you're if you just said exactly what you said, but are using that to describe the themes, it just dives in head first and and, you know, swims around it. it it's it's fully right. in the deep end. Right. And um, I think that's what's so kind of exciting. And, and it, it does it does sort of point to. The. I guess talent or skill of of this director Claire Denis to to have both those things the thematic and you know the sort of uh storytelling undercurrents and the actual you know physical moments have such a enmeshed same sort of structural reality to them and I think that's kind of what I mean when I say it's like you kind of I kind of felt like I, I, I knew where we were going. I knew w- essentially what was going to happen. And it didn't it wasn't like uh, it wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing because it's it's all about this vibe of anticipation, much like when you are attracted to somebody and you you are spending time with them and there's that anticipation of oh my god are like when is the moment when we know we're gonna actually like touch or kiss or whatever like the whole movie to me is that thing 
like the vibe of the movie is that feeling and it is so good the way you make then you then you get the moments that are like oh fuck (laughs) the way you make that comparison tim is just so brilliant and speaks to the brilliance of the film it's spot on like we talk about how we've talked about a lot how horror is a lot of the times uh you know when when asked why horror a reason could be you know we are all have the darkest of dark you know sides mm. of human nature inside of us right but we we we've evolved at the same time too we live in a society people we know better <laughs> we have we've uh, practiced empathy for generations more you know things of that that nature so yeah, we're still like so human in the sense of lust and sexual urges. So to sort of explore that that line that you're describing, if it's just as, as what if those urges that you know cannibalism, I mean that's that's what it is. Yeah, um, are uh, extenuation of the acceptable sexual urges. Yet that's all about completely letting go and following those urges, having your safe words or whatever to then, I mean, I don't know where I'm going with this other just then like it, it, uh, it, 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 as a, as a horror movie, it's so effective in that sense because it really gets you to go, Oh God, like what are our, how do, how do our human limits exist? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's just, you know, I said, I used the word provocative earlier. It's also just so evocative. You know, it evokes this very real feeling that we all have. I would say for the most part, I assume most people have this of just like, how do I deal with my more sort of primal and carnal desires and urges in in a civilized world. Can I do that? And and like that, we all are experiencing that all the time, right? To some degree. Like right. most, most of us are pretty good at it. It's not that, it's not like a thing we walk around going, Oh, I got to resist this urge, right? Like we just know how to do it, but we I mean, know how a, that feels. At a certain level, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, certainly there are people who don't, but, uh, yeah. but I'm just saying, and you know, usually they're troubled. Um, Trouble every day, in fact. Right. Right. I mean, this is sort of a really good example of like, it's a really good way to reframe the things that made Dracula the story so popular and like successful. Because that whole story is about these same themes. And it's just sort of housed in this fantastical story with you know counts and castles and witches and whatever this and this this, is is stripping all of the the fantasy away and just saying but still (laughs) this is the thing this is the root of that right i i love these themes and i'm i've been working on something writing something for years that explores these exact themes the way that's i think different enough from everything that his has been done i hope to contribute to it from a kind of different angle but from that re- reluctant cannibalism basically is the, mm. the subgenre i think of that i put this under um, yeah there's just something i think actually in horror you know where else can you really do this but like 
the watching a person, a character be like go through the torment of of needing or wanting a thing so desperately but knowing that they shouldn't or can't have it one way or the other yeah is so compelling well especially when it's done well <laughs> i guess it could be done poorly but as a general rule that just as a theme is really compelling and then like whatever uh, ambiance or trappings you put around it is really like i think where you get some gold and this putting it in paris having it always sort of be this like semi gray damp you know like i don't know there's there's an, a really overt eeriness to the way it's shot it's it perfectly captures a kind of a, a, a kind of like romantic feel that you could equally just view as being melancholy. Right. Like just d- depending on how you want to project onto it, which um actually that's, some, I mean, sort of getting to some of that gold now, like you talked about how he's got, I mean, how much, how horrible it is and how much we hate, like watching him neglect, um, watching Shane neglect June, mm-hmm. their, the new wife. Uh, yeah, at the same time, like we see he does deeply care about her and has moments where he's totally being everything's about her, which then just makes it all that much more sad and tragic and frustrating. That's when he's right. Being yeah. the exact opposite. Like, God, their whole honeymoon is supposed to be about them in the honeymoon. Yet he's added in this ulterior motive. He doesn't even tell her about until they get there. Yeah, And he's basically just not present with her at all like there's yeah. a couple moments but it the overarching feel is that he, she has spent this entire time in the hotel room waiting for him to like get his shit together well and again but though like unclear lines though we know he has cannibalistic urges so we don't want like we get maybe why he's <laughs> right. like trying to stay away he doesn't want totally. it to yeah, act we out get on it, her but like she just has is you know i f- just feel so bad for her she's having the lamest of lame honeymoons god i know i hated seeing that god the when when they check into the hotel and it's just like so sweet and it's just like then what happens yeah um uh now there's a there's another big sort of thematic thing that i that i really enjoyed it's obviously in the same realm but like really just from a very simple uh point of view the the idea of you can't move on to the next person or the next love until you've really like usually it's symbolic but in this case it's literal killed the desire for the previous love or a distraction or a flirt or a crush which the maid serves as right So, you know, what I think is so cool and like the way that they depict that, that I think was sort of a a, a good way to kind of, it's a tragic way to to, to depict it is that even once he has, so he, we didn't really mention this, but he eventually finds Corey, the, the woman who also is suffering from this affliction, and she has just killed in 
the most graphic way we've seen to date. So like it's it's right at the two thirds mark of the movie. She she seduces, quote unquote, um, one of the young lads who's broken into her place, who she's they've been kind of having this from a distance flirtation thing going on. And he she he gets into the house. She allows him in. They, she takes him to bed. They're getting it on. And then she quite literally eats his face off. And then she paints her entire house with his blood, essentially. She's covered it. And that's the moment that Shane finally f- finds her. Like he he tracks her down and gets into the house. And she's standing there. And they have this sort of moment together as just very much like you might as like two former lovers who haven't seen each other in a while and are, you know, reuniting and don't know what to do about it. It's very sexually charged and whatever, but ultimately he just strangles her to death, which is pretty fucking that actually that moment I was like, oh, shit, that's where he's just that's it that he's just going to strangle her. All right. It's pretty intense. Uh, well, I mean, they have to do that to sort of specify it's not a carnal kill. It's he has no, he has not. other reasons for wanting to kill her. That's yeah. right, absolutely. Um, and so, to me, that's sort of the 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 underlying metaphor being, you know, you have to kind of kill off the desire for your ex <laughs> so, to make it really plain and pedestrian i feel like that is you you put that theme as a statement but i look at it more as like it's a question because like i'm more oh no i I totally agree i'm saying this is sort of what i was taking away where i was like ooh, that's you know that's a cool kind of vibe that's going on and i think what sells it is that what we could have gotten is that then he goes back to his his new wife and they get it on and everything works perfectly well and and mission accomplished and now we can all live happily ever after and we do not get that at all we get quite the opposite right where he still he so i think what's cool about it is is it's that lie that we tell ourselves if i could just get over this person then i can make it work with the new person and that's a fucking lie right like that's not how humans work like we need to there's there's more to it than that <laughs> right and so seeing that play out and seeing him have to then like stop mid sex with his wife and go rub one out in the bathroom is so tragic yeah it's for everybody um tim you're covering your i i got to get in here there's so much i just wanted to say to like <laughs> right. everything you were saying um but god it was like eight different things what okay i mean it, it popped in my head the idea of how like that sort of i don't think i could expand beyond it but it just like reminds me of a revenge story of where someone thinks they're gonna sort of be able yes. to put something behind them yeah. once they enact the revenge they've been seeking seeking and then we always see that's not the case maybe then that leads them to the realization so it was a part of that process but it's never the case um I feel like this can tie into the the theme you're sort of saying that's exploring too. But I loved when he's asked by, I think one of the doctors he's trying to track down. um, He's asked, uh, well, what was your relationship with, you know, the, the old wife? 
Corey of the, yeah. of the friend Corey. Um, and he, he says, well, it, he, she asks him, well, were you in love with her? And he says, it wasn't love. He says it was more like an attraction. But then even that we feel like isn't accurate, which I just think is a super interesting thing. I think about a lot. It's like these words seem so limiting when you think about it, mm-hmm. uh, messy stuff. And it's why movies will always be made about the topic. Um, more often romantic comedies, which this is not, or <laughs> romantic dramas, <laughs> which this is. Um, yeah. Anyway, those are the things I can remember wanting to say from what you're saying. Well, she oh, oh, also... Sorry, uh, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, and just... Um, oh, were you going to talk about uh, the Corey again? No. Okay. I was going to say something now how the maid represents that theme. And one of my favorite scenes in interaction with her was if um, the theme you're kind of talking about is, can you uh, segregate or isolate um, attraction or lust? Can you, can you be with one person and not be, have control over if you're thinking about someone else or not at that time? Um, what does that mean about you if you can or can't, you know, at any given time? So there's that brilliant scene, I thought, that was just like there was so much suspense and something so little where they first get to the hotel and they ask the maid to, like, carry the bags for them when they could just easily carry them themselves. Mm-hmm. And she's making the bed, the maid, and they're on it and they're going to yeah. have to move. Like, and it seems like they, they should have moved already to allow her, but she's, the maid just doesn't even ask them to move. She's just, just blind, just Carries doing on. her work, just yeah. carry on. They move right at the last second. But the way it's shot is so brilliant. We're just like, you know, being in school, you can fall in love with the back of someone's head. Like that's how they're shooting the maid walking. And like we get, he's already kind of, thinking about her that way. So it's just, it's just fascinating to see. Then it plays out. All he can do is start making out with his actual wife right in front of the maid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's just a lot going on right there. Well, it occurs to me that if you really, really just strip this down to like one sort of thematic question, it would be, are we simply animals or are we more than that? And that's it, right? Because every scene you have that question kind of posed. And that's a, that's what a brilliant, I mean, movies that look at that as, what am I trying to say? Like the best movies, first of all, they don't pose it like it's a statement. You can say right. one way or the other. It's fun if a filmmaker sort of discovers they do lean one way or the other, or depending on the scene, excuse me, depending on the scene. But the best ones, they really see like it's not a binary question at all. And that's what just our our brains in su- such a way like want to be able to force it into. But what makes a great movie, which I think this is, is, yeah, when we do explore a question like that, that is inherently, you know, unanswerable as far as yeah. that. that Well, because the answer is yes way. and no. It's both. It's yeah. always both. <laughs> Right. Like, I mean, there's so many little nuanced things in this that like that are a reflection of that question or premise. It's rather it's the central premise. We are both animals and evolved beings at the same time. That's that to me is sort of the overarching like premise. And like you see it constantly. There's the moment when the the maid 
our room service person. I'm sure she has a name. I'm <laughs> we guessing should probably it's, use it. It's probably Christelle. I just see her fifth on the the listing after yeah, the doctor yeah. Leo. So let's. Yep, that's her. So Christelle, uh, or Christella. No, she's not Italian. Whatever. So she's French. <laughs> Christelle. Uh, she goes downstairs and she's, I think she's finishing her shift or whatever. And she washes her feet in the sink. Right. And like, even that has this primitive sort of nature to it. Right. Like we, you know, if we were going to be austere, proper humans, we wouldn't wash our feet in a sink. We would wash our feet in a bathtub or in a shower, right? Like there's sort of a hierarchy to how we view ourselves in terms of the, you know, elevated self versus the animalistic self, right? I washed my foot in the sink the other day. It was amazing. And don't get me wrong. I think that structural hierarchy often is total bullshit. Yeah. But we, we respond to it, right? Like seeing her do that represents something to us and to her as a character. And so you have all these little moments of that, right? Like even when Shane is at, I think it's a, Oh God, what moment is this? He's out in the night. I think it's before he's found Corey. Anyway, He's just by himself wandering around the streets and he's on like the Champs-Élysées or something like that. And he uh, sees a woman walking by and it it suddenly becomes a animal stalking prey moment. And then we never see what happens with it. Right. It's just a it's just a moment. But it gives that vibe of like even us humans Walking around, two human beings just walking past each other in the street can be both these things. It can be just two people walking by each other and there's nothing to it. And it can also be a predator-prey sort of scenario. It's just – it's a point of view almost. And all every scene has it to some degree, I feel like. Yeah, and that's what's so I – th- I think that's what involves me so much in a film with this kind of filmmaking is like – it seems so real. You you aren't even thinking about these little touches just because they seem so naturalistic or of the yeah. world. Like, well, that's just I, that's what I love about it is that the way that those things are shown just feel like people behaving in the world. Well, like but you when mentioned, you step back just one like click back, you go, "Oh shit!" This is all very very purposeful. Right, like when you mention the bite mark on June's neck, it's like they're they're honeymooners. That that bite mark looks like the exact kind of like acceptable bite mark. I get, but anything yep. you, you look at it and go, if that was a lot more, that would have that would have been a maybe a bit too much kind of thing. You know, with the, do what you're gonna do, whatever. Um, but just yeah, just another just example, just a little element that's always applicable to just exploring that thematic question. It's everywhere. And so much of it is so specifically nuanced to subtly get us to have a a reaction to it, right? Like, I think another, there's a couple of these, but like when Christelle is in their room, right? Like she's allowed to do that. She's, she's, that's her job is to do that. But there is this feeling of like she's in somebody else's territory 
and she is kind of uh what's it called when an animal like yeah she's like a little bit marking her territory right she's invading and sits down on the bed and she like smokes a cigarette of theirs you know there's this sort of almost like no now this is my den thing which is which is a a, which is a dominance you know kind of animalistic dominance sort of posture and it's not even she's trying to dominate them so much as just hey i'm equal to them because this is some weird classist stuff going on to even have maids at all right so there's all of this nuanced little sort of like marking of territory so to speak all throughout it too so it's just it's just fucking great and of course you know the kind of the i would say it would be the the uh, well maybe not the moment of the movie but certainly the moment people are going to remember is him masturbating and us like seeing it happen essentially right like that is a very it's a th- like we shy away from that act in media all the time and to show it is sort of its own statement of marking territory right it's sort of this like no no i'm gonna i'm gonna show this i'm i'm going to push us into that realm of discomfort because it is a thing that we do right like we're it, to act like it to shy away from it or to not show it in a lot of ways is is to act as if it doesn't exist you know and we are you know biological creatures that do that thing right so you would you know you you watch a nature show and you see the animal the the lion you know uh mounting the other lion we don't go like cover your eyes billy i mean some people might but you know what i mean (laughs) so there's this i think there's this really cool just undertone undertone overtone undercurrent of this stuff in it's just imbued in everything so who who's to say how much of it was really particularly specific or just like this is where it all kind of came to as the vision of the director and either way is fine with me i think it's all awesome yeah um one of my i mean a lot of great scenes but just another one that stands out we haven't touched on yet specifically was when uh Corey, it's it says spelled c-o-r-e with an accent on it i keep wanting to say it Corey. <laughs> maybe it is yeah. i guess anyway the the wife of the doctor who is infected Corey Corey, she's the one infected so when she is seducing the dude breaking in uh through the boards essentially oh, dude which is just it's incredible because it's like it's completely unspoken both ways, the seduction. So it's just, you know, totally in that, you know, carnal mode. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's literally caged. Yeah. That's a thing. Like, God, (laughs) like what he doesn't question. Like, I wonder why she's boarded up here, but that's the brilliant thing about it is like, if you're, you get that, that surge in you from touching fingers, you tear those boards down. I mean, she's just, she's so non-threatening and, you know, well, and there and and the two kids, like the I, I would say the two lads, they are so this vibe of like the two, the people who go to the zoo and like watch the animal in the cage at the zoo, 
right? They've yeah. been going, they go there every day and like try to have some sort of like interaction with her through the bars. Mm-hmm. And now they finally, you know, they've finally gotten the keys to the zoo or whatever the fuck. You yeah. know, it's, it's very, I, I personally have a lot of issues with zoos. Like I have m- very mixed emotions about zoos as an, as a thing. I don't think many people would uh, disagree with you there. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I'm on my own there. Um, but you know, like that whole vibe is, it's almost like, yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. You want to, you, you know, if people are going to cage an animal and you want to get in the cage with it, it's probably not going to go great. Right. Yeah. Like just, <laughs> just a thought. <laughs> um, but what, one thing that really stood out about that moment that I, I had a hard time getting past was <laughs> when they try to kiss in between the slats in the boards. I was like, the number of fucking splinters that they like are risking getting in their like faces and tongues That's and lips. That's the most like Tim thought distraction <laughs> moment. That's so I know, funny. I know. I was like, and then I started thinking about the actors. I was like, damn, like they're they're going for it, but man, that's risky. I wouldn't want a splinter in my tongue. Again, they aren't really. Uh, I don't think they're thinking about that at the time. Their their primal urges overrode their their fear of splinters. Precisely, splinters. precisely. <laughs> Um, and I just maybe um, another aspect of that that scene where it culminates to both. So when she starts eating his face off and then there's another scene where I guess it's Vincent Gallo killing whoever or does she kill someone earlier? Whatever like the other I think kill is that's not at the end. Anyway, every instance of someone screaming horrifically as a mm. result of getting eaten was probably the most like affecting scream of anguish I've heard yeah. in like a movie. There was something, I mean, just so appropriately carnal about yeah. them and just well, oh. hurt to hear. Like the uh, like, oh god, the screen. I can't. They're so guttural and just made you just. Uh, How genius is it too that the friend who's downstairs is listening to it and for a good, you know, 15 seconds of hearing his friend scream, he just thinks, yeah, they're just banging. Right. Well, he like, does. He, you can see him questioning it. Yeah. He, he, there's, there's this whole moment of him kind of being there and they're like those guttural, like awful screams. And he kind of doesn't really react initially. And then he starts to kind of go, Oh, hmm. He knows instinctually Maybe that's there's a little different. <laughs> well, instinct instinctually he knows there's something off about it, but I mean, given the context, there is no threat. There's right. no you, you, your mind doesn't immediately go there, you know, so yeah, I like that, you know, whatever you want to call it, sort of question ambiguity of desire versus pain. Like just another or way. pleasure versus pain, I guess. Another example of all the examples throughout yeah. of this exploration of theme. I love just from a, um, I don't know, just another one of ways that the filmmaking is, the writing is, the sensibility of it is. We're kind of, like I said in the summary, you really do get subtly doled out the information of what's happening. It, it's like such a oh, simple yeah. story, really, but they're always talking around it or the, yeah. you don't get anything too explicit. And I, that just really sucks that. me in to, to act like really being an active participant in the film. Yeah. You know? I, 
Yeah, you know how we we've watched some movies where we even thirst we we said this a little bit where it's like for the first 15 minutes or whatever is sort of playing catch up. I never felt like I was playing catch up with this, but I never felt like I was being told what was going on in any sort of direct way. It just it just made sense without even being yeah. told anything. Well, there it's is interesting. A- we only knew what we need to like the opening scene. There's someone hiding a body and right. where they're discovering it a certain way. And it doesn't make us go, Oh, what's happening? Who was it? What this movie doesn't make any sense. It makes us <laughs> go, Oh, okay. All right. So this is, these are the little pieces of info I'm going to hold on to. And then yeah. the next scene I get maybe just a little bit more. And before you know it, you sort of have this whole picture of what is essentially a simple story, but just well told. Yeah. And that also works to the extent as far as that kind of, um, I guess just getting just the right amount of exposition to it. I love how that it grounds you in that, that sort of horror or where it feels like it's a grounded world. Um, so then it just gets you in that horror movie sense. Let me just give you the example and <laughs> get what I'm talking about. <laughs> when um, they uh, when he visits the one doctor who uh, says, oh, sorry, this other doctor you're looking for, he's he's gone. Um, and Vincent Galashane goes, yeah, well, you know, I'm very interested in the paper that this doctor, or my company is very interested in this paper that the doctor wrote. And then the doctor's response is basically... Um, yeah, well, I don't believe that stuff. And like we again, we're never explicitly told like what this is that they're talking about of right. disease, whatever, some kind of, you know, we don't know what it but it's it doesn't give you too much where it would sort of spoil that illusion. We just buy it just enough. Like and then the way he says, try the talk show circuit we get that it is something that's pseudo. Funny. Yeah, in in that um yeah, exactly. In the horror movie sense, it sort of gets us to buy into the fact that it's something that would be sort of um, uh, particular or hard to imagine being real, but very well could be. Esoteric, maybe. Yeah. We don't know. Outside of the accepted norms of reality. Right. And to have, which is kind of, you know, the jumping off point for so many, I guess, I don't, you know, horror movies (laughs) in general, especially, you know, the way we're talking about these sort of science-based ones. Yeah. yeah, uh, when I when I say this kind of filmmaking, do you know like what I mean? Can you describe it when I say like this kind of filmmaking sucks me right in? Ooh, because I want to tip my hat to I it. I would but... say, hmm, it is. Ooh, shit! It's atmospheric. For sure. I think that's sort of the first thing that comes to mind. It's just atmospheric, which means that it's not we, – we have a sense of sort of mystery and we're floating through these people's lives without really getting told anything necessarily. Like, like there's, it's not explicit. It's, it's atmospheric. Right. And I well, think can- there's also something – I was trying to think about like – what is it about like what how do you describe this style of character depiction? Well, I've like, just kept is saying it objective or is it subjective? I've just kept saying realistic. So can you kind of connect how the filmmaking is making me want to say that about it? And that can be in the character sense, in the atmosphere, right? Like Well, there's a term for this where it's sort of just 
a bit of slice of life. Like scenes are not built in this, you know, to like get to a point. They're, they're, they're almost barely even built. It's, it's observational. So we're just watching people behave. But I feel like the sense it gives us is that it is observational and just watching people behave. But as we've talked about, there's very specific goals for each scene and dialogue. I agree. So that I think is the brilliance of this style is that you're creating the optics of this sort of observational style. But we're able – it becomes subjective enough – like, is that the right way of putting that? Like, the camera is in everybody's face. Mm-hmm. Like, it is right in their face. And we go back and forth from this sort of, oh, I'm just a fly on the wall, to I'm literally close up of this person's face, and they are not talking. We're just watching them exist. The film's so silent in a certain sense, right. too, and so non-dialogue based, like really yeah. visual storytelling. It's a really cool style. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure a, a film dramaturg would be able to really concisely plot it out and be like, oh, it's this. It comes from this. <laughs> you're, but, but you're talking about in a terminology sense. I know this is yeah. all we've done with our lives, Tim, is made and thought about movies. So, like, <laughs> it's just if we I aren't know. good at remembering the specific terms, whatever. Yeah. Man, I, I just feel like we're... I don't know. It's a vibe. <laughs> yeah, I think it is really just when... A filmmaker knows at any given point. This is for me, like, I've made, like, one true, like, kind of trying to be, quote-unquote, realistic horror movie um, as a short, a longer short. And, I mean, my approach for this and what I I see is going on is, is any time anything in the performances specifically feel like they've been in a movie or are in a movie, whatever that mm-hmm. means to you, you you extinguish it. You recognize it and work around it. Um yeah, and, yeah. You know? <laughs> well and it, it, I mean so, that that's that's an approach of like making sure you don't have something, but then there's also making sure you do have something too. Yeah. And what is that? Well so here's here's one thing that is definitely exists in this movie. The story of what is actually going on is told through the silent moments of each character. And that's a really like, (laughs) I hadn't really thought of it when it was happening, but that's a pretty remarkable way to tell a story, right? Like nothing anybody says in this movie is plot. I mean, Except for those it's, the sort it's of all, expositional elements that sort of tell those, you just even enough. Even those are lies for the most part. I like, mean, what, he's kind of bullshitting half the time. No, I mean, as far as like what I was just saying, like talking around whatever the virus or disease is or the exactly. doctor's, well, that's what doctor's I mean, yeah. missing. We don't even really, I mean, we, I guess we kind of need it. But I, but I mean the story, which is the experience that these people are having mm-hmm. is told 
and their motivations and their desires and all of that is so completely told through their silent moments. Right. I mean, when you talk about I the mast- when you talk about the masturbation scene, there's no discussion or moment with the wife of like, why isn't he continuing no. with her? Why does he have to go off? We just, yeah, we're given what we're given. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. It's such a very specific filmmaking style that I would be re- well, it would it'd be hard to think of other well, people who do this and do it well. I mean, it's also a way to put it is you're trusting the audience and what I mean by that is you're saying, well, what is the minimum amount of information I yeah. need to sort of communicate something very specific? But how do I, I make sure I am doing it still though? Yeah. Nick Nick Reffin does this. Mm-hmm. He he actually is quite good at this too. Your buddy Nick. <laughs> I love Nick. <laughs> I've only ever heard him as Nicholas or Yeah. You, you always hear his full name, Nicholas Wending. I know, right? Winding. Yeah. Winding, winding. Maybe one of the reasons like why or I don't know, it's it's hard to sort of define or really get into the filmmaking style? Is there something kind of paradoxical? I mean, we kept using the word, is it objective filmmaking? Or like, <laughs> yeah. what, what it feels like I want to say, it's it's an objective style that allows us to then reach something that feels very subjective. And that just kind of... Right. Blah, <laughs> you know? Well, actually, you know, it reminds me a little bit of when we talked about acting style and how there are some actors who... Because they are so neutral, we, the audience, just fill in the blanks. And I think that's actually, to to a certain degree, that's kind of happening in this story at times where it's like we're just allowed to figure it out, right? There's nothing being telegraphed. Right. But 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 because (laughs) because it's so skillfully done... We think that there's nothing being telegraphed. Well, it's not being telegraphed, but it's being gently like subtly placed in front of us for in front of us for us to discover. <laughs> and it's it's something I mean, maybe it's it's in there, too. There's a lot of close ups of faces. Like if you're yeah. shooting this as a documentary, you know, zoom in on that face for sort of versus mm-hmm. really hanging back. Anyways, um, go on about this. But the last sort of just note I had and what worked for me was I Vincent Gallo's character Shane so so particular I just I love how much of like a weird asshole he is you know <laughs> like it's really interesting like what made me want to phrase it that way was when he's talking to the one doctor to try to get some info and he's just like being such a little persnickety poo he's like it's bright I don't like it here Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> and you're just like, hmm, okay, yeah. dude. And she's like, uh, sorry, no, fine. And he's, <laughs> but you wonder, I mean, that could be part of his affliction. We don't know, yeah. but it also just seems like him just being a little, Meh. everything's so serious. Meh. Yeah, he is very melancholy and misanthropic kind of, you know, he's just very, Meh. Yeah. It makes me think, you know, there's also we really don't we haven't mentioned the doc, the actual doctor that uh Leo the character uh I think that's his name, right? Leo. Leo. Yeah, Leo. Leo, Leo. Sem- Seminal. Um <laughs> he 
that actor is so compelling and he virtually says zero words in the whole movie. Well, yeah, totally compelling in the sense of, you know, he has this whole world that he's aware of or you totally buy into just like he's dedicated his life to something. He has a history with these people. You just feel the depth in him and on him. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's this very conflicted sort of reality that we get of you know you're like man this dude's definitely trying to do right but he's like he's covering up for a murderer at this point right like he's he's in such a bad position and it's it's like a noble pursuit cased in a pretty like not noble cover up of bad things you know it's right. like it's a very cool conflicted and you know, diametrical sort of character. Uh, and and I kind of felt like I wanted more of him, but it it, it works not getting more no, of him. It, it casts the air over it, kind of like the yeah. the missing doctor in um in From Beyond. Uh, yes. It's where it's just kind of, you know, we get there's they have a presence over and throughout it all just by uh, even more so by having a minimal actual presence. Yeah. Well, and I also like when he walks into his burning home and he's just got this sort of look of like, yeah, this is sort of how I thought it might end up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not too surprised. Right. Well, um, anything there's else? There's one shot of yeah. him on the motorcycle that is almost entirely darkness, except for the reflection off his helmet and like, a little bit of sky that flits by. It's such a fucking beautiful shot. There's a bunch of really beautiful shots in this. That 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 one sticks out. Oh, There's some, one on the staircase that's really incredible. A lot of really gorgeous sunrise, like orange oh purple God, sunrise yeah. shots over Paris. Paris, yeah, the river. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, from a just a it felt actually this whole movie feels a little bit like a painting, mm -hmm. which I love. Like that that aesthetic I've always, in filmmaking, I really like. I've told you I recommended it to you. Just immediately what jumps out in my mind as a portrait of Lady on Fire. You got to see mm. that. All right. I'll do it. Uh, anything else? What worked for you? Speak now, forever hold your peace. I'm sure there's other stuff, but yeah, no, it's good. I think it was great. You hear that, Dan? Thanks for the the tip. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Oh, okay. Well, let's see. As much as I wish we could just accentuate the positive, well, this isn't that kind of space. We here we break the whole rule. If you can't, if you don't have something nice to, or if it's not nice, don't say it at all. Whatever that is. No, nay. We're gonna talk about <laughs> if there was anything that did not work for us in our next section. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> okay, so my only real... I don't know if they're even complaints. My only real comments within this section are totally based on sensibility that appeals to me. 
it's not really I don't have really any critique of the way that this director depicted their story because I think it in and of itself is great but as an exercise I was thinking sort of in the realm of like okay but if it if I were making this movie what would that have in it that this movie doesn't have in it and I think it would be I would push personally more into the noir kind of detective like gotta gotta track this person down and have clues and have interpersonal conflict that pushes the clues forward and into like misdirects as to like oh i thought i was going down this pathway but there's a dead end there but that actually is a good thing because it led me to this other thing which is going to lead me to that that got me to the thing and then we have it out um but that's just all sensibility right like I could imagine an, a director like Denis Villeneuve doing this and you would get something kind of akin to Prisoners, which is a very like noirish, whodunit murder mystery. And I could get behind that version of this story or maybe make my own version of this same basic story. But then it wouldn't be this movie, right, right at all. Because the filmmaking, if it were to go that direction with the kind of filmmaking she she does – it would just be a little too confusing and too much. And it would and you just would lose a bunch of the things that right. are really, it would, this it would, movie has, it would distract from things and it would take emphasis off of things. So I, I don't have anything, yeah. honestly. I think, I think for me, there's also a sensibility, you know, there's sort of, um, I'm, I'm not an expert at this, but I know that in European film structure, there tends to be, if I, if I remember this right, the first act tends to be quite long in in a more European structure, you know. Whereas in in Western U.S. sort of film structure, the first act is like has to be twenty five minutes long and twenty five pages, and something has to happen on page twenty six, and it's like whatever. That's fine, and it and we know that that works for that kind of storytelling. But like it, it seems like. And this in this movie, this is true. We get a lot of very subtle, drawn out movement towards something. But the first time something really, really happens where it's like, oh, shit, is an hour into the movie. It's when she and the young lad have it out and get he she eats his face like that's the first really like. Specifically big turn moment of the movie and the movie is only what an hour 40 or something like that yeah. hour 45 yeah um you know so we're we're essentially two-thirds into the movie before a really big moment turn of the story moment happens um at least we're shown it so we have all these clues leading up to that and this isn't a critique but it's just sort of to point out that that's that's a very different thing and i think a lot of you know, people who are used to the other, you know, U.S. sort of structure version of things, they're all going to complain, oh, this movie's boring or it's just nothing happens or whatever. It's like, you know, 
So you're just trying to, for what did not work for you, you're just trying to speak to what may not work for other people that you can see. Yeah. (laughs) Because the way you're describing it gets me excited about it. And that's a thing, Every the way you described it is like, oh, that should have been in in what worked because that's how you want to, that's how you want to execute a rising tension horror movie. Right. Well, exactly. And so what it it, it ultimately kind of leads me to is like, if you're looking at it from a horror point of view specifically, which I guess we are, it brings to mind uh, Alien, the first Alien. Nothing happens in that movie of like grand note until the chest burster comes out of his chest in at the whatever lunch or dinner scene. That's about an hour into that movie as well. It has very similar kind of structural trajectory. And I, I figured that was the midpoint, but. I don't think it is. C- could be a little later, yeah. It's a little later. Anyway, that being said, I, I think that from a horror point of view, it, it, there's a good lesson in there to sort of be like, don't necessarily feel that you have to have, you know, a big kill every 12 pages or something like well, that. Well, I mean, or this is the, what I always say is unique to horror and what I love about it. It's why I think the, the, the last frame of Texas Chainsaw Massacre moment is like my favorite end moment in any film ever. It's because with horror, you're approaching it. And it's a story like this, Trouble Every Day, Texas Chainsaw. You put a point down here and you put a point up here. And then you just draw a straight line between the two. And that's what's <laughs> unique about horror and what this kind of movie does. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm tr- I really can't. <laughs> just talking more of... about what worked for us. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm like, how how do I not just talk about something? Well, we that don't have more? to. It's, it's fine. I, I don't have anything. Um, I don't really either. Great. Then we already <laughs> talked about what worked for us plenty, so let's just move sure. on. Okay. All right. Last section, things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. Uh, I have one. <gasps> what? The music. Trouble every day. <laughs> I really enjoyed like that, that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, shit. Now I'm where I'm trying to find where 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 did I see it? Oh, so the music is by Tinder Sticks. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember seeing that name in the credits. <laughs> They're just like an uh, kind of an indie alt rock band from England. Oh, speaking of uh, how the music came in at the end credits, just my viewing experience, because I asked, you know, end credits, you watched them, you didn't. Um, This is the kind of movie, this is going to go, put it in things of note as a viewing experience, but really put it in what worked. But just this is totally the kind of movie where I had to let all the credits play just to like transition me out of this place, you know? (laughs) Sure, sure. Like, it was just (laughs) so, so much yeah, I couldn't just get up and like, oh, what's on Instagram? I can't just do that <laughs> after this movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think is great? And, you know, we need we need more of in in the industry is like 
a woman director, woman cinematographer, woman editor, you know, like, well, I'm assuming Nellie is a woman, but maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, nothing against whatever, like good. I just think more people need opportunities to make their art and make it and, you know, be given the funding or whatever to make the stuff. Cause you know, there's a lot of good shit out there that isn't getting made simply because, you know, it's not fitting into a mold that that studios or or backers think is going to make them money. Here, here. And I'd like to think that this is your second non-controversial but important take of the day. The first one being zoos are weird and scary and messed up. <laughs> and the second one being more women filmmakers. Fucking A, man. Um, I will say that, sadly, this didn't make a, a whole lot of money in the box office, but so be it. <laughs> All right. I uh, I only had to report back. I just get a kick out of reading the reviews, especially for this kind of film. Mm. Um, so on Canopy, which is, you know, like people who sign in with their library account, so just probably come across this movie. We had Derek say, lousy movie. <laughs> we have Lynn say, what kind of mind thinks up such sick, disgusting trash as this movie? Marilyn, not worth your time. What a disgusting, sick movie. Cannot finish watching it. And then I like Yana just said, hot diggity. Um, the top review, though, the top rated review on Letterboxd. It's my favorite one, too. It says, Cool documentary about Vincent Gallo on vacation in Paris. <laughs> Amazing. Credit to Laird on Letterboxd. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm always kind of, I don't know, just confounded by people who don't like a thing and then insist on being like lousy. Right. Well, it's I like, mean, plenty of, no, I mean, there's also on here. Wow. Freaky, really, really great horror, but probably not for the squeamish. I loved it. Yeah. I just think that whole idea or that commentary of like, what kind of sick mind came up with this is actually a really telling response because I, I, I venture to guess that a lot of the people who react that way are really just reacting to the fact that it made them feel something. I mean, my, I, I just can't, the, their minds have literally never thought of horrible things. Like they're just, that's what I mean. Like <laughs> it's, it's that they are, they're denying in a way. It's like a weird denial game of like, I, maybe I kind of like that, or maybe it just it was evocative to me. And so my, my go-to reaction, cause I don't want, anybody to know that I maybe had those feelings, I've got to like put it out into the world that I condemn this type of storytelling. Double it's down on whatever bullshit. it is. Like yeah. why even say anything? You didn't like it. Well, okay. Hey, I mean, I guess we're just sitting here saying things. So whatever. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> to each their own, whatever. Yeah. If they're, we got our things. I think what pisses me off is that there's this weird sort of puritanical 
reaction to horror that simplifies it down into just like, oh, that's just sick. And it's like filth. Yeah, it's just filth. It's perverted or whatever. It's like, dude, you your narrow bullshit view of the world is so limiting and disallowing of you to appreciate actual nuance and like the beauty of human storytelling. And yeah. it's fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Go away. <sighs> No, I I mean, or like, come in, come on in, there. and there listen you go. to that, our conversation. That's and that's maybe my re- fucking like. We can get you to see it a little bit broader and and see the beauty in the terrible things in the world. Great, you could feel me wanting to amend yeah. what you had said right before I <laughs> yeah. said it. Yep. No, we want you to see it too. <laughs> I know. I mean, really, the world would be a better place. Yeah, and this movie would have made more money. <laughs> That's uh, right. But uh, hey, it's hopefully it's it's made its. I mean, what's what's the we've watched three French extremity new films now. Are you sure it's and, only three? Yeah, That's, it's uh, got Inside, Martyrs, Trouble Every Day, Trouble Every. Oh, fuck. I feel like I thought there was one other. Maybe not. I mean, I'm just remembering the ones I feel I've like seen we've, in my life. We, you're right. We've both seen High Tension. That's the only other one I can think of. Oh, yeah. I've definitely but, seen uh, that. But, boy, this one is might be my favorite out of them. I mean, really, when I'm doing that is I'm just comparing it to, um, what, what's the good one that you just said? Martyrs. Martyrs. Um I I think this kind of beats martyrs for me just that little bit. And it's in its, I like movies that can be this, this simple and realistic. We decidedly say Calvaire is not French new wave. Oh wait. Yeah. Cause it's, 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 it's it's not. Yeah. It's, was it Belgian? No, something weird. Uh, Sorry. Don't mean weird. Something where it's not super common to our American ears. (laughs) Yeah. No, I can't remember if it, it, I think we can kind of slide that one in there. I mean, that well, obviously is the best one. Right. Wait, hey, I mean, obvious for me. I don't know if your love for it. I don't of know the if it's ones as high we've as seen. Mine. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, I like Martyrs. Martyrs was so good. This I one think was Calvary's so good. a better movie, though. Calvair got, I mean, if you heard our episode 100 retrospective, that one continues to be. <laughs> yeah. Way up there for me. Oh, and then, of course, also uh, Insidious, The Last Key. What? <laughs> Insidious. Great. All right. Well, how about, Tim? There's That's it for Trouble Every Day. Mm. Then yeah. we got to get our recommendations out of the way and pull next week's episode. So anything you'd like to recommend, Ed? Oh, I'm sure there is. I, you know what? <laughs> You know what I've been watching? Uh, apropos to my love of ghosts and ghost hunting shows, <laughs> my friend and I have been watching a BuzzFeed. These two dudes from BuzzFeed have been making little, they're like 25 minute episodes, usually somewhere in there, of. They do a bunch of stuff and they call it unsolved and they do true crime things as well. But the ones we watch are the ghost ones where they they go to haunted places like famously haunted places and 
it's just like a you know typical ghost show sort of setup but the 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 thing that makes it good is that one of the guys is totally like a, a like very skittish totally buys in every little knock and bump in the night and whisper he's convinced is a ghost and he's very easily wound up and the other guy <laughs> completely thinks it's all bullshit and watching the two of them interact is fucking hilarious and it's not censored or anything so they're swearing and they're like having a good old time and like the one guy it's ryan and shane are the two guys and ryan is the sort of scaredy cat believer and shane is the like far far end uh skeptic like he's not even a skeptic he's like it's all bullshit he's like uh, ryan will be like did you hear that whisper and he's like yeah that's the wind that's nothing like it's he's constantly just shooting everything down <laughs> so it's a really fun dynamic to watch and they're funny so they go to all the places that you've you know all of the other ghost shows have seen and you know it's fun it's called unsolved buzzfeed unsolved, unsolved. great uh, a lot of good stuff I've been seeing, but hey, just because I want it to to do well and support it, and I just loved it so much, Tim. You know what I'm going to say? I got to recommend Dead. Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> it was it was most excellent. It was I most bet. most non heinous, most not bogus. I I could go on. It was it was the perfect. Not just not just three quill, but like way after the fact, right. uh, three quill, where it it played on the nostalgia in the right way. It was I was laughing from beginning to end, and I don't, Tim. It's so funny. Like whenever I ask people, like, oh yeah, I'm so excited. What do you make of it? Not not all my friends, luckily, but so many people or reviews I read, they always got to start it with, well, for a Bill and Ted movie kind of thing where as if they because they're like silly and i i think mm. so like but the thing there's so just so much heart in them and all three of them the same pair of writers on all three it's a big part of it yeah and everyone involved just always is working against the odds to get them made but there's it's like because they're silly or they don't like you got to throw logic out the window and that's part of the fun of it. Like that's a part of the intentional fun of it. And the movies are self-aware at it. People always got to clarify, like as if there's some kind of like, they will always be B minus films, like for a B minus film. It's great kind of thing. I just, no man, these are, these are, these are way better than there's right up there with any other, like they're just different in that sense, but they're still excellent. (laughs) <laughs> films. hell yeah so i need to watch in. the second one i uh my copy arrived if you want to borrow it Ooh, okay yeah did you watch what else i lent you night of the creeps not yet did you finish watching the brood not yet all right do i have <laughs> any, anything else i'm lending you i'm forgetting about your patience no i just uh <laughs> that's not on lend i mean I mean, more my um, my my hopefulness, my okay, cool, my excitement for you, all that. Mm. <laughs> just, I know you got your BuzzFeed ghost shows to watch, but uh, <laughs> they're good movies. 
<laughs> well, that's because I'm watching it with my friend. So, yeah, know, I'm beholden. Great. And then you should also watch I Saw the Devil, which I wonder <laughs> I should just surprise you someday and be like, Tim, actually, we're just watching this. Oh, all right. I no, I don't, I, I don't want you to have to, <laughs> to just wait for that moment if it never comes, though. <laughs> anyway, it's great. Anyway, uh, okay, next week's episode. Let's figure it out. It's your turn. All right. So t- let me, I want to, I want to be the first to see it, Tim. I think that's why I was forgetting who pulled it last was if uh-huh. you pull it and then read it first, I'll think in my memory, you pulled it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, please do me the honor when I say, I mean, you can glance to make sure it's facing nope. the right direction. <laughs> Not going to do it. You can tell me. <laughs> All right. Stop. Can you read I it? am. Yes. Scroll it for me. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house 2016. Okay. I've heard of this. (laughs) Me too. But I don't remember (laughs) anything about what I've heard of it. Me too. Well, we'll find (laughs) out soon enough, Tim. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we have episode, uh, nay, not episode uh, one- 13, but episode 109. <laughs> It'll be our next episode of Dismembering Horror. In the meantime, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com or wherever you found us. Our big ask is to tell a friend, let them join our circle of fun and horror delving if you think they'd enjoy it. Hmm. Yeah. that's all from tim that's all from me (laughs) so you know in closing we do mean it thank you very very much for being here and listening yes and we will see you next time goodbye